History Matters. Joined in the studio by the one and only Scott Washington, historian extraordinaire, to take a look back at this week in history. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Aaron. And I thought, surprises, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) It's you, surprise. It's it, exactly. Well, this is a a great week, and we have, of course, International Women's Day uh, this week as part of Women's History Month. Um, and there are a couple of women that uh, jump up uh, this week. Uh, Harriet Tubman, who uh, was born in March of 1822, maybe sometime this week. We don't really know. We don't have an exact date. Mm-hmm. She did die on March 10th, 1913. But she's kind of an amazing woman in herself, uh, just because, of course, she was born into uh, slavery. Believe it or not, not in the Deep South, in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Now, you just don't think of that as being part of the Deep South, but she does eventually escape when uh, in her late 20s, and you think that should be the end of the story. Aren't you glad to be free? Instead, she goes back again and again and again to bring family members out, at least 13 trips that are mm-hmm. known of, and then the Civil War comes along, and she enlists in the Union Army and uh, works her way up until finally she's a scout and actually is the first woman in that we know of in combat to lead troops into battle, freed 750 uh, wow. other people who were formerly enslaved. I mean, just a remarkable woman. And after the Civil War, she gets involved with um, uh, uh, women's rights and also uh, women's suffrage, the right to vote. And, uh, you know, I just think that's one of those great kind of persons who we need to be aware of uh, because of what she did and how she did it. Was she very well known at the time? Well, actually, she becomes really well known by the end of the 19th century, especially because of her stance on women's suffrage. Uh, It reminds people of this astonishing woman who had done so much to help save the Union and uh, free people uh, herself. And uh, I, I think that's one of those people, uh, she, she knew John Brown. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, John Brown with the Harbors Ferry. Uh, but she wasn't involved in that. But, mm. but certainly, she carried a revolver with her on the right. mission, so she was not unaware of the dangers. Uh, somebody asked her about the women's suffrage, uh, if she believed women should have the vote. And supposedly, her reply was, I suffered enough to believe it. <laughs> so yep. I kind of like that. But... That kind of uh, spunk and determination is something that uh, we can certainly uh, lift up and celebrate. Another one um, uh, that comes up this week is actually a a writer uh, who in 1819, we've talked about this before, um, uh, who was 18 at the time, or I guess it was 1816, 18 at the time, and it was all because a volcano blew up uh, in Indonesia and uh, Mount Tambora and when, in 1815, and it created all kinds of, you know, we think of global climate change. Well, all of that dust, uh, coal made cold throughout the world. Uh, here in North Carolina, there were accounts of frost and uh, snow in the middle of August. Um, that summer uh, in uh, 1816, she's with friends in Switzerland, and the weather is terrible. It's raining, it's thundering, it's cold. They're getting sick and tired of each other. And finally, a challenge comes up. Uh, how about uh, they start reading the most, you know, 
improbable things like ghost stories and just really horrible poetry. (laughs) (laughs) Terribly depressing, like a bad Seinfeld episode. Right, right. And then the the challenge becomes, well, who can write um, a good gothic tale? And so she's almost credited for writing Mary Shelley the first science fiction story, Mm -hmm. which we now know as Frankenstein, Frankenstein. which is uh, just remarkable. And, you know, a tribute to... uh, uh, an enterprising young woman who, uh, at first, when it was published, it wasn't even under her name because, again, there was a prejudice about women uh, as writers, and eventually it does. Uh, she does become known of that for it. But I kind of like that, that we have some astonishing people who persevered even when they didn't have the vote, but they... Im- they took the actions they could to make the changes. I'm just, I'm just impressed that she was 21 when it was published. No. Like, not even all the things that she had to, like, overcome in order to get it published. She That's was right. 21 years old. It's astonishing. Like, I was writing four-page essays for <laughs> sophomore-level English class. Those essays were fine, <laughs> but they weren't Frankenstein. Well, you know, you start reading some of those early 19th century writers uh, like Jane, uh, I mean the, the the novel Jane Eyre, right? Uh, and, and the way the the thought patterns, these long sentences mm-hmm. with commas, it's delightful. I like it, the extemporaneous style. But that's not something that in our Twitter universe that we do today, uh, with haiku like uh, little stanzas of responses. Back then, it was long phrases, and they're glorious to read. Although Emily Dickinson was around around the same time well, too, that's so the true. haikus and the the shorter okay, that, the shorter, shorter things. That's right. Not she knowing been, when the dawn will come, I open every door. That was she'd Emily have been great Dickinson. on Twitter. Yes, yeah, <laughs> she would have been. She would have hated every second of it. Yes. but she would have been. She would have had a following. Well, that's what some people have called the, the Gettysburg Address. Is like the, also true. It, yeah, it, very it be published. And it was short so and short. Sweet. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Um, Speaking with Scott Washington, uh, we got time for two more. What do we okay. got? Well, a couple sports ones. Uh, we always think of Babe Ruth, you know, the home run king. Uh, but actually, and we think of Boston or New York, uh, actually he hits his first home run professionally in Fayetteville at the age of 19. Uh, he's actually adopted by the manager, um, and uh, because he his antics running around, they start calling, you know, his... That's the manager's baby, and that's how he gets this nickname, Babe Ruth. Interesting. He would later say that that was probably one of the most exciting home runs he ever did. This <laughs> was <laughs> also his first one. I can imagine that. Like, home run number 353 is probably not as exciting as number yes. one, right? Yeah. Well, and I like what he said. You know, you can't hit a home run unless you swing at the bat. So swing at the ball. And the uh, the reason he said that is because he was also had a record of the most strikeouts for so long. So when we mm. think of the home runs, but... He didn't care. He would go ahead anyways and yep. just swing away. The other fun thing about that is, like, I've heard, I, I heard a uh, like a financial uh, motivational speaker like talking yeah. about that, like, oh, Babe, Babe Ruth had the record for home runs. He also struck out more times than anyone in history. I'm like, that's not even close to being like he had a lot of strikeouts for the 1920s, but very, very few strikeouts. Like he hit 393 one year and hit a yeah. whole bunch of home runs. Like he was incredibly good. Oh, like yes. these players today who swing at the ball and hit 50 home runs, but also strike out 180 right. times. Like Babe Ruth struck out maybe 40 uh, times in a year, and that was a lot back you know, in those days. Thank you for that. That's a really important kind of... Uh, whole different world back then. <laughs> yes. And then I've got one other one, which is... Uh, Luther Burbank. Now, this is not a name we probably are too familiar with, but 
Every time you've gone to McDonald's, every time you've gone to the store, you can thank Luther Burbank because he was a, a guy who had, was very young and just had a knack for growing vegetables. And not only that, but his, uh, he, he just develops an incredible amount of different species. And the reason I say McDonald's is because he develops what we call the russet potato, but the actual name is the russet Burbank potato. He's the guy who does that. Those Burbank, those russet Burbank potatoes, not only do we use them in our homes, but McDonald's uses them. So, <laughs> and we, you know, and it wasn't just that. He develops hundreds of varieties of uh, vegetables and fruits. Interesting. Um, which is just an astonishing legacy that if you go into a grocery store, Almost anything you see fruit-wise is probably some uh, shoot, uh, offshoot of uh, Luther Burbank's work so many years ago in the end of the, end of the 19th century. Incredible. Interesting. And that is uh, how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you very much.